0: Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your hosts, Glyn Dewis and Dave Clayton. Hello and welcome back to another episode of He Shoots, He Draws, episode 103. They're flying by. (laughs) They are. (laughs) Before before we know it, it'll be episode 200. Actually, I was looking the other other day at the stats, looking at the numbers, and realised we'd actually done because uh, we're two years old uh i think by the time this episode come or well, february we're two years old yeah, i'm yeah. not sure i think it's around the middle of feb but we'd put out 50 episodes each year which wow. when you think is what 52 weeks yeah we've actually done uh, probably more than i thought we ever would <laughs> on a <laughs> well, yeah, regular we got, basis we got beyond eight so yeah, yeah, we, we did do on the eight. It. So it's quite nice now that once we pass, it's funny when you pass a threshold. When you pass a big number, you kind of relax a bit more about it. Like yeah. in the beginning, we were looking at the numbers and is it doing well? Are we doing this now. I'm quite relaxed about it. I just go on and check that people are actually listening to us. So if you are out there listening, thank you. Well, do you know but, what? I this really getting back to the basics of when we why we first started this. This is just an excuse for me new to catch up. Really. Oh, yeah. I said to someone today at work about it. They said, Oh, are you, what are you doing on your next podcast? I said, I don't really know at the moment, but as long as it's an excuse to talk to Glynn, it means we've, over the past two years, we've spoken to each other a hundred times more than we had yeah, exactly, previously. Yeah. yeah. So if nothing else, if it's just you and me eventually, <laughs> <laughs> and we have to put episodes out on a cassette and send them to people who ask for them. We'll still do it. I did think about doing that as a gimmick once, but I saw the cost of it and thought, nah. No. <laughs> no. Anyway, back to the matter in hand. Yep. This week, we were just doing, like we said, a Glenn and Dave episode. We had a few things we want to catch up on. And generally, most of the topics come from conversations Glenn and I have. And we actually went to the Society's show uh, last weekend mm-hmm to meet up with a few friends, Ian Monroe and Anthony, and have a walk around and catch up with some, with some uh, award-winning people. There were a lot of them there. There was a lot of them. <laughs> there was a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> but we were kind of talking about the whole awards thing, and we'd done a show about it where we said, you know, why do people enter all these awards? And we did a fake ad, which we have to get out because i was telling someone was that about... the one we
1: got terry on as well because we're, yeah we're we got terry, terry on Terry's who's
0: who's part of the societies where we went yeah. and and terry had done well we won a good few awards as usual um but he came on and he justified the whole awards thing <laughs> why are you laughing
1: i don't know we can see
0: each other this means nothing to anyone but yeah terry got a few awards and he came on he justified the awards and we'd kind of ribbed a little bit about them now last week yep You actually got invited to an awards ceremony. Mm -hmm. You got to meet Lorraine Kelly. Very nice lady. Very nice lady. And you got to be a judge. And I wanted Mm. to talk to you about that. Because quite often you find, or we find, we have an opinion on something. And we kind of, we talk about it and we put it on a podcast. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself in that situation where maybe we've criticized someone and then gone and done it ourselves. So for that particular event tell everyone what the event was why you were a judge and and you know tell us about it what was what was your experience like being on that other side
1: all right so uh it was an event uh, the actual award ceremony was held at the national army museum in london um and i originally got asked to be a judge for the uh you know, for that whole event kind of thing. Uh, towards the end of last year, I think time flies by, mate. I'm sure it was around about the end of October, something like that, I could be wrong. But I know it was towards the latter part of the year when I was invited um, along to be a judge for the awards ceremony for all the sort of soldiers that had submitted their particular portfolios um, for that particular year. And it was not easy. Not by a long shot. I mean, it was a real honour for me to be involved anywhere. I think the reason I was involved was partly because of the fact that I'm doing this 3945 Portraits project, but also, it was about a year prior to that, I'd been uh, doing a live presentation at the photography show on the live stage, and there are a couple of gentlemen there um who saw me and they just happened to be uh, officers in the army and they invited me to come do a presentation at their yearly seminar at RAF Cosford and since then we've developed a really good working relationship got some made some great friends there uh, and I was honored to be uh, asked to be a judge and then obviously then treated exceptionally well at the award ceremony so yeah
0: yeah so Talk, talk about the images, because obviously the photography we see are, you know, I don't suppose for one moment there was a a female soldier holding her hand at the back of her head, holding her hair up, leaning her head against the wall in a, in a pose and yeah, the, no, yeah, that all was, that. No. So what kind of photography <laughs> what kind of photography are we talking about?
1: All right, well, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll kick off first of all by just saying it was exceptionally high standard. And there was all sorts of different kind of levels for it. There was – because they call it the trade. They're in the, you know, the photography trade because that's what they do. And these British Army photographers, they are the modern-day folks. If we think back to all the the wartime footage that you see, that would have been filmed by the Army Film and Photography Unit. Incredibly brave people who, when all the weapons and bullets are firing one way, they're facing the other way to film the people doing it. I mean, really, really incredibly brave people and these are the folks who submitted images they do have this yearly event where it's it's more than just a, a bit of fun and a bit of recognition this is quite impactful on their career um how that can go i mean for example like uh, becky who, who became photographer the photographer of the year for the army her portfolios and i say plural i'll explain why in a moment were just fantastic. I mean, I'll tell you now, there were so many images there, not just that Becky produced, but that many others produced. I would have loved to put my name to them. They were really, really good. And, I, and I, I guess I shouldn't really sound like I was surprised. These are people who are highly skilled in photography. A lot of them have had an interest in photography before they joined the military. But there are many there who have had that kind of skill nurtured while they're in the military, and they've been trained to a really high standard on the technicals. But what was what was amazing... When I was doing the judging, and I actually said this on the night at the awards, I said that it was no easy task. And I said, because anybody can be taught to be technically good. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So you can see a technical image. And we, we all kind of know that a technically perfect image doesn't make it a good image. It can be dull as dishwater. doesn't matter how well composed it is. The lighting is perfect. It's really boring. To have that technical know-how and creativity, that's what makes a great image. And they had that in abundance. Do you know what I mean? And that's obviously Becky did, which is why she she uh, kind of won it in the end. In fact, I'll tell you the little story about that. We did all the. There's all these different categories uh, as we're going through the doing the judging process. And I was kind of not. I wasn't one of these people that kind of is pontificated. The right word? I don't know. When I kind of like it's a big
0: it's a big Scrabble word. It is a big Scrabble word. I don't know
1: how much that's (laughs) worth. But I was like looking at pictures and kind of deliberating. Mm, I don't know. Literally, the way I am, we'd have this new category laid out and if it didn't smack me in the face who was the winner then it was hard but pretty much every category there was something that smacked me in the face and said that one um but with becky's what happened was they can they're allowed to submit a, a number of portfolios the the sort of photographer of the year portfolio you know winning portfolio is the big thing it's that big it gets into the national press do you know what I mean? She's on TV, all the all the you know the mainstream big papers and stuff like that. It's really big news for the army photographers. But when it came down to it, there was the three of us who were doing the judging. Uh, I was with a warrant warrant officer first class Dan Harmer, who's an absolutely brilliant bloke, uh, and we had these two portfolios. We'd whittled it all down to two portfolios. One of them was a completely black and white portfolio, and the other one was a colour portfolio and a variety of pictures. There were some portraits in there. There was some still life. And both of them were outstanding. And I was like, God, this, this is... How on earth do you choose between either of these? And eventually, I kind of said, well, listen, I'm going to favour the colour version because it's kind of... There's more variety in there. The black and whites are beautiful, but I like the colour version. Both portfolios, amazing. Amazing. And then uh, what was really interesting was that Dan, he turns around to and he says, so you're happy with that? I said, yeah, that's my choice, the colour. He said, okay, fine. That will be the winning portfolio. He said, glad you said that. They're both from the same photographer. And I thought that was amazing to think that we'd whittled it all down and both of Becky's portfolios were one and two. Wow. How amazing is that? Do you know what I mean? It just, it just showed the skill that she's got across, not just colour images, technically perfect. I mean, there were some of the pictures there that were just—you could have just lifted them off, used them in a magazine for an ad. They were absolutely the light. Everything about it was just brilliant. You can, you know, they—they they are seriously
0: talented. Seriously right. Talented. I have questions then. Go on. So, photographs of what? Are they? Is it that they are in the army? But hey, I'm a good photographer. Or are these army photos and army portraits and army related? Okay. So images? obviously
1: there is a military theme to them. All right, but they do. You know, certain categories will say. uh, I think one of the portfolios, right? What portfolio does this portfolio basically say to you, army? However, you want that to be interpreted. Does you do you look at this portfolio and say, yeah, that to me says army? Um, but you know, they'll do a lot of the pictures will be army based. Now they'll get friends who are in the military to do some posing and stuff like that. But they are military themed pictures, military sport. You know, there's like tug of war. There's basketball because it's army teams. You know, women's rugby and stuff. So it's all it's all life within the military that these photos do. Okay. Come from. but there are a lot of them uh, where it is. You know, there is no kind of setup. There is something going on. Capture it. And there was one portfolio in particular, and I, you know, this guy Ben Beal. What a, an amazing photographer! He also won the video um, kind of award as well for the top video promoting uh what have you uh and he i forget where this exercise was but it was somewhere damn cold i know that but these pictures i mean you'd think he'd set them all up he'd lit them no these were these were as it was happening pictures it they were just phenomenal do you know what i mean so there's a real variety of stuff it was an absolute pleasure to look through them it really was
0: So with Becky, then, when you were judging, you didn't know any names or anything. You were just looking at images. You've whittled it down to two portfolios. They both happen to be the same person. Mm -hmm. What was interesting about that that made me think was we've talked about style, Mm -hmm. having an identified style. And what's interesting there is you thought they were two separate photographers.
1: Yeah, just didn't didn't think, and that, that yeah. kind of showed. Yeah, I, I suppose you're right. Actually, I see what you're getting at there. But I think when it comes to the the sort of the black and white portfolio, if all Becky did was black and white, you would know that was Becky's portfolio. The color images, if that's all she did, then you would get to know that was Becky's portfolio style. But the fact is, and this isn't just Becky. This is this goes across pretty much every single person that I've become to know there, and I, I am so. Privilege that I'm making so many good friends within the middle. I love it. I really, really love it. They've got to be adaptable. They can't necessarily be a one trick pony or have one particular genre that they're good at because they can one day they can be photographing a you know a huge exercise that's been planned next day they can be photographing a dignitary that's arriving at the base next day they've been photographing something else then something else something else so they've got to have that kind of skill level that will allow them to go into any situation and be able to produce the goods Um, and i I didn't realize but uh, one of the things i learned when i was there with them and this was when I was doing the presentation at one of their seminars, R.F. Cosford, you know, like when you see um, news reporters that go abroad and they're kind of, you know, giving back reports from a conflict zone and what have you, it used to be that the camera crews would go with them. The camera crews are the army now, because if they end up having to have some other people out there capturing this footage that's going on, that then takes away somebody in the military from doing what they should be doing. They've then got to protect this person, do you know what I mean? So they do, they are, they're obviously, they're highly trained. They're all, you know, fully fledged uh, soldiers, but they're also fully fledged photographers. Yeah.
0: So what did you learn from looking at that kind of photography? Because obviously you've got, you've created a style with your project and, you know, people are starting to see more of your images and it's getting really good feedback. Is there anything you've taken away from being a judge and looking at those images that you've thought... Okay, I could. I might. That's given me an idea, or that might change the way I look at what I'm doing. Or is it because you're dealing with different ages that you're, you know, you're dealing with veterans and they're in day to day military? Was there anything within the style that made you think that was a good idea? I'd like to try that. I'd like to. Um,
1: it kind of makes you want to. Yeah, it does make you want to try other things. I know that I want to start looking at doing some more outdoor work. Um, Obviously, because it's been cold, I haven't really wanted to. But um, certainly this coming year, there's more outdoor work planned anyway. But I guess um, I can't say that it kind of made me think, oh, yeah, I want to do that, I want to do this. More Hmm. than anything, I suppose, because you you saw uh, images from people who were, I would say, fairly new to the trade, as they call it, and those who were pretty much... Uh, about to be full-fledged, what they call professional photographers, and that's because a professional photographer is somebody who's gone through all their training and then goes out into the big world and in the military and whatever you. They that they are now professional photographers, but seeing that wide um, skill level, that wide uh, experience level, did make me look at images and kind of you you kind of um, reminisce in some ways about things that you did and no longer do. Like we all we all kind of fall into the trap sometimes of you know, giving images too much of a vignette because we can. So, yeah, of course, you saw things like that. Do you know what I mean? Some of the pictures you saw where maybe the post-production had gone a little bit too far. And that's not in any way a criticism because we all do it. And yeah, it's only there the are, experience. Well, trends. We Absolutely. all follow but, trends. But it's, it's an experiencing that comes with knowing how much retouching to do and when is a good time to stop. And you can see that. You really could see that kind of... In the very first round of images, it came in from people who were the, either the cadets or whatever, up to the people who were about to become the professionals. You could see that learning going through, and then eventually you see, yeah, they nail it
0: now. But it was just really interesting to see that. It really was. Did you give any advice? Did you find yourself giving any advice to anybody or yeah not on the judging side of things but
1: on the evening of the awards i was chatting to quite a few folks about all kinds of uh little tips and tricks that they were asking it's really lovely actually because you know there was many i was talking to that were saying oh yeah because i remember you did a video once on this that and the other and you i end up talking to this person i'm trying not to react thinking god my god they watch my stuff that's really cool (laughs) but they were just asking advice about posing how do you pose people and i was saying that you don't really pose i very quickly learned that it was really hard to pose people. So I, was, I remember I was telling this one guy, one of the tricks that I used to start doing was, I would you know, set my camera up on a tripod. Let's say if I was photographing you, and you're going to mm. be really conscious about being photographed, the minute you think I'm about to take a picture, you're going to get even more tense, and I'm not going to get the real you. You're going to look awkward. So I said I was always willing to to play the fool. And I would say to someone, tell you what, for a second, just just, just sit there for a minute. I just need to check something in my camera. So I would kind of like take my eyes off them and look as if I was doing something with the camera. While I'm doing that, I'm keeping a third eye on what you're doing. Because now you relax, you then sit in yeah. a pose that's comfortable and natural to you. The minute you do that, I then look up and go, oh, Dave, just hold that a second, click. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm, if I, the more I try to pose you, the less you, you become. But the minute I get you to relax by me sort of making out I'm trying to change some settings or whatever, you then kind of just chill, you know what I mean? And yeah. then that, that becomes <laughs> a real picture. So it's just little things like that that I've learned from doing lots of it, I guess.
0: Yeah, I I mean, a bit, being a lover of photography, but not being the photographer, mm. I, I, lo- I identify trends. And I see things in photographs that I like and things that I hate. And I know we quite often t- talk about it. But I think when you've got something you know like we look at landscapes and we look at models in you know blown up dresses and standing in lakes and nun- nuns holding basketballs in underground car parks <laughs> yeah <laughs> we even as a as a like non-shooting photographer i see bad stuff mm-hmm. and we identify bad stuff but when you've got like you're saying a, spe- a very specific job Where that puts them in places most photographers won't ever go to. Mm. I think that in itself makes the, you know, I mean, we always joke about, you know, oh, my picture tells a story. And you look at it going, what? What story? Don't just say that because you think it gives the image an extra level of um, mm, intrigue, I must stroke my beard as I ponder what the story mm-hmm. could be, is these people are shooting in real life situations, in real places, Absolutely. places you or I wouldn't get to, yeah, yeah. and that and makes know, and their you know stuff what, stand out. There were, there were pictures, there were so many pictures,
1: and I can think of two now that really made me think of it. When you, when you looked at them, you could almost he- hear the noise going on, You could hear the chaos, you could hear the, the, and it was a, it's just fantastic. I don't know where this was or whatever, but it was a black and white image and it showed the back of these soldiers and they're kind of like behind this kind of bunker and they're looking over the bunker. There's something clearly going on. It's all, there's dust flying around. It was just phenomenal. And the one of them, there's a picture of this guy lying down in the prone position with his automatic rifle. And he's lying on the top of this bank, firing into the distance. And as he's taking the shot, the gun cartridge, entry, entry, empty cartridge, yeah. has come out of the gun, and it's in mid-flight. Mid oh, my God, what a picture that was. Just And it was black and white. You see, that was the experience there. If that had been in colour, I don't think it would have been as impactive. But yeah. it was in black and white. My God, it was good. And there was another one, <coughs> um, and he was quite a high-ranking officer that actually put this one in, I believe. There was a picture he looked at and I kid you not, you, look, you would look at it as well and you'd go, cool, that's just like a picture Joe McNally would do. It was absolutely fantastic. And it was these guys, this platoon, all kind of like somewhere really hot and they're all sat around this campfire. And I think they were playing cards and stuff like that. And it was not a staged photo. It was something that this guy had come around the corner, seen them doing it. And because of his kind of rank, and he knew them, and they knew him, they were very relaxed and just let him take the picture while they were doing it. I was told that if had that been somebody else to try to take the picture, they'd have clammed up and it just wouldn't have happened. They wouldn't have allowed it or whatever, but... They knew him, they had a good relationship, with him, took this picture. But you had the warmth of the fire on their chests. There was the laughing, the, you could see the sweat. It was such a good, warm picture. He thought, wow. It was just so Joe McNally. That's all I could say to him. I said, Do you yeah. know Joe McNally? And of course they did. I go, That reminds me of a Joe McNally picture. And I think oh. when you think of the amount of respect that that person, you know, Joe's got, yeah. you know, from people in the whole industry. I, what I think to have somebody say, I think, I mean, I'd be amazed if someone said that about, you know, yeah. one of the pictures. But yeah, so just some that, amazing stuff.
0: I say, whilst that image doesn't like, isn't telling a story, you've just told me, you've just described the whole thing, and I'm picturing it without yeah. even seeing it. Yeah. And that is the story in itself. That's, it was. that's where I, mean, I, that, I see. You know,
1: there were there were some of the stage ones. You know, and even the stage ones were done well. I would suggest. I mean, one of Becky's winning images. Actually, yeah. You know, you said there. Have you been inspired by something? Actually, yeah. And I, I know I've mentioned Becky a lot, but you know, she won. Yeah. Um, but there's one picture she did where it was a close-up of some hands little bit of just a real subtle amount of smoke just a real subtle amount of smoke but the hands are, are sort of clasping onto a poppy and there's a very very small trickle of blood coming out of the clenched fist just going over the little finger whilst holding this poppy that tells a story that was yeah. such a powerful picture real simple And I know that when when she first did that, she said she used too much blood. It looked a bit too gory, so they reshot it. Just a small, subtle trickle of blood over the little finger. Mm. My God, it was powerful. And, yeah, that did make me think, well, I could do something. Really, you know, really think about something for this coming year, you know, this year's uh, Remembrance Kind of more
0: detail stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, close in, really focusing on that. But that just, it was a really powerful image. Real simple, just a pair of hands holding a poppy. Has she got a put por- an online portfolio? Uh, I'll have to check. I'll have to check. We'll but check. I know, I she know has, that Becky we'll... did photography before she was in the military. In fact, she used to be in the medical corps before she moved over to the army photographers. So that's quite a, quite a shift in uh, you know career path there. But
0: yeah. Well, if there's any links for it, we'll put them in our Definitely, show notes yeah. just to point you well, towards I'd some t- of the If images. anything,
1: I would suggest, you know, people on, because they, they, they are very much into their social media, the Army, so I would mm. suggest anybody just look for Army Photographers on Facebook. That's what it, their handle is, Army Photographers, yeah. and you'll see all the winning uh, entries and a lot of the submissions on there. And I think, you know, you'll spend quite a bit of time looking through them. Cause there's some, and in fact, you'll see the one with the campfire. Uh, they're all there. It's absolutely brilliant.
0: Okay, we'll do that. So, nicely, nicely moving on into our next subject. Perfectly. But let's have a break first. Let's do a break, yes. (laughs) Come and visit the photography show at the Birmingham NEC between the 14th and 17th of March. With over 300 brands exhibiting their products and services, new product launches and hands-on demos with over 270 talks and classes over the four days and over 30,000 like-minded photo and video attendees to meet and connect with, you have everything you need to capture a fresh perspective and improve your skills, whether you're an absolute beginner or a seasoned professional. Come and get inspired at The Photography Show. Tickets available from photography show.com, and you can use code claydewtps 20 That's C L A Y D E W T P S 20 to get 20% off advanced standard single-day tickets only. See terms and conditions on the show notes. We'll see you there. Okay, thanks to the Photography Show for supporting us again this year, which is brilliant because I know I can't wait for our live episode. We've got to talk about who we're gonna have on. Absolutely, <laughs> you got to come. We've got a code. We'll give a code at the end as well. I think it was just in the ad anyway, but um, we'll we'll put the code in the show notes. But I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to come around quick. But as I said before the break, moving nicely on from that subject, there was something that uh we did together a while back that you just commented on social media this week was a Little project that you've done for a friend of ours, um, right? Yes, who's who just so happens to be in SAS Who Dares Wins, yes. So, Glynn and I last year went along to Swindon Wyvern Theatre to see Billy Billingham do a talk, uh, about well, in fact, I think his book was on the way, but because it was it came out October 31st, so I think we probably saw him August or or September. I'm sure it was May time, wasn't it? was it as far back as that yeah yeah yeah. crikey that did go quick last yeah. year but anyway you and i recorded a load of footage on stage walking around time-lapse and everything and you know with one thing or another you know you've been busy um you eventually got round to, to editing it which i'm going to come on to the filmmaking side mm-hmm. but you'd put together the edit and sent it off to billy and mark Llewellyn, who's been working with billy on this tour that they're doing and we'll, we'll put links in for that because he's still doing it um Firstly, what a cracking job. Uh secondly, you got the same comment from Billy as well. (laughs) But the thing I want to touch on in a minute, because I'll let you talk about uh like kind of why why you were doing it, but like a little bit of backstory. But we said last year that I was gonna learn photography and do your headshot and you were gonna try and do landscapes and we both said in the previous episode that didn't happen we didn't do it something else happened I wrote a book and you did three nine four five portraits probably we're more pleased with the things we ended up doing than what we planned to do but talk about learning new skills and trying different things I've noticed that you have been apart from originally doing all the audio editing on the podcast which I'm starting to learn you'd started to get into use Premiere Pro because it's in the creative cloud it's a tool there for you and you've kind of been watching stuff on audio and i know you've been not just recording your own tutorials and planning them but you are also editing all your own tutorials mm-hmm. including the new one that's coming out so when i saw the video you'd done for billy it was like you'd hired out a company to do it because you've got that good at it so i of want to talk about learning new skills so that's something you've you've you're a Virgo, so you do everything by the book. So you're very you won't do a bad job, and I think that shows in everything that you do. So, firstly, give a little bit of background about the whole Billy thing, like why we why we're you even involved in it, yeah. and what it's going to be used for, and then I just want to talk to you a little bit about the filmmaking side.
1: Okay, uh, well, long story short, it all came about because of a relationship that I've uh, or friendship I've developed with a guy called Mark Llewellyn. Uh, And that all happened because of me photographing the very first veteran that I photographed, uh, Ted Owens, the one that I raised all the money for, that went a bit interesting when the press got involved, but that's the one. Uh, Mark was a very good friend with Ted uh, and Di and myself. And relationships just developed. And then uh, Mark started being the tour manager for uh, Billy's tour. And obviously Billy being um, the highest decorated SAS Former SAS soldier that's on the TV series SAS Who Dares Wins. Um, I think he did seventeen years regimental sergeant major within the SAS. Just so many incredible life experiences. And when he was doing the tour, I got chatting to Mark and we talked about photography and he's saying that you know Billy would they'd like some pictures doing. So we kind of talked about that. So we arranged to go to go and do the photos initially, and then uh, they were mentioning about the idea of having a promo video. And I thought, well, you know, we're there. We might as well give it a go. So I think I kind of contacted you and says, Dave, this thing with Billy, we're going to do his video for him as well. And you're like, all oh, well, right, okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it just – <laughs> do you know what? You kind of go there. For something like that, I couldn't really plan it out. I didn't really know too much about what was going to be going on really, even though I was speaking to Mark about the kind of running order for the day. But I did know that we needed to get stuff like – you know the the crowds coming in the milling around in yeah. the background uh the start of the show when billy comes on stage and all that kind of stuff and the sound from the audience looking back at the audience and then when he's having pictures taken blah 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 all that kind of stuff so i needed to make sure we grabbed that so i remember on the day i was shooting with the um i did it we did his portraits on the stage got to meet him spent some time we hung out with him and bear grills and yeah it's just know. just fantastic what a sort of great evening Great, great evening. But, you know, I did his portrait on stage. He was an absolute gent. He really, really was. Fantastic guy. He was. He, he couldn't have been more kind of like, you know, whatever you want to do, Glenn, let's just do it. Yeah, so no airs and graces with him at all, were Not at all, no. So I did those, really happy with those, photographed the rest of the team as well, including Mark. Um, and then it was, quite right, we need to get in place now, ready to do the filming. So I handed you, and this is the great thing, you know, It's you don't always have to have every single piece of kit going dear. you you really don't no. so i brought along what i had so we did the video with my sony um i i did the main video the a roll with uh, my sony uh, i gave you the dji osmo pocket that tiny yeah. little 4k gimbal three axis gimbal and i said dave that's how you press record just go and grab stuff and yeah. you went out and were filming one of it now as everyone was coming in I'd lock down a GoPro on the stage looking out onto the seat so we could get a time lapse of all the people coming in. Um, and, yeah, that was it. And so, you know, it just it just worked out really, really, really well. I'm just – it took me a while because, as you know, I've been busy doing other things, but got around to doing the uh, final edit on it a few days ago. And the way I do the editing now is I've kind of learned – there's so many people I've learned from online, Peter McKinnon being one of them um, – I start The whole thing about his promo, it had to have a start, a middle, and an end, as everything yeah. does. But it had to say, this is his tour. This is why you want to go to the tour. And I knew that it had to be roughly one minute, 15 seconds long. About one minute, 15 seconds. So the way I did the editing was, I knew what the start was going to be. I knew what the end was going to be. The end was going to be him coming onto stage with me following him, eventually stopping by the stage curtain, letting go on crowd going up. Um and then it was just a case of using Prelude within Premiere to within Photoshop. Oh, sorry, within uh, the Creative Cloud to check all the different scenes that we had and creating a story out of it. Yeah. And then choosing the right music. And I was
0: going to say, stick it, the music's important. Yeah, the music's That's very important. In fact, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's me
1: saying start, middle, and end. But I guess I spent the longest time was spent looking for the right music because you've got to think it's got to be something that suits Billy. And the life yeah. he's had in the military, and the SAS, and and you know all these other things that he's doing, it needed to be suited to him, and uh, yeah, I think we nailed it. Used epidemic, uh, what's it? What are they called? Epidemic. Epidemic sounds, I think they're called, where I get yeah. all my music from and audio effects and stuff like that. So I've thoroughly enjoyed it. It's thoroughly. You did a cracking job, it. mate.
0: I mean, I know I've seen bits of your tutorial, and obviously you've been recording your new tutorial lately, yeah, yeah. and you've been editing that. And, and it's a skill that, I mean, I know you've done some stuff in the past, but you can definitely see a difference in quality now. And do you think that's been through being patient and looking? Because I know you, you quickly go on and find out how to do a particular thing and then you stick to that. Is Have you found that? Because you're learning, everyone's learning process is different. Yeah. Um, but this is a kind of a new thing for you. Yeah. But I think you've picked it up really quickly.
1: I think it's just... Um... I've, I've always been the way if i'm going to do something i can't just play at it i never i've always said that i never want to get to a stage when i'm looking back in later life going god i wish i'd tried that i never did it's like with this premiere now i want to get as good as i can with premiere you know how how good can i get so I, I just put all my effort into it when i have a little bit of downtime or when i'm doing some video i won't just do the video i think right how else can i make this look better so i go onto youtube i watch peter mckinnon videos and other little things that i got to look at and see what how can i do this and I don't know. It kind of feels. Does it feels kind of natural? It feels like I I feel like quite quite at home with it. To be honest with you, I mean I'm really enjoying I've, learning it. But I just I love I love learning new things anyway. So
0: yeah, I think videography stuff is is really cool mm. because it's that whole that the motion and the effects and just the editing and the cutting is really clever. Yeah. But also a good thing is, and this is why I say to people about, I'm not paid by Adobe to say this, but. When when I hear people going, yeah, well, well, they be Creative Cloud. I'm not paying. You've got the tools. You know, you've you've got Premiere Pro. You've got Audition as part of your cloud subscription. Mm. So you've now got these industry standard professional tools that you are now learning to use because there's a lot of stuff in there that's similar to photoshop and lightroom and and all the other tools the language is the same it all connects to each other you can ping stuff out of you can ping audio out of premiere pro straight into audition and clean it up and come back and you bring after effects in that you've got all these great tools it's you know rather than whine about i don't need them all i would say actually spend that time learning one new thing just one new tool can add a, le- a level of something that you weren't able to do yeah, if, if you've got a purpose before. for it i've i've kind of yeah. learned
1: it because i do do quite a bit of video you know and i've done the videos for the new uh, preparing those videos for that promo for the fundraising for the veterans thing yeah so i've really enjoyed doing the filming with those in fact when i had the day in wales with my friends you know there was anthony ian steve brian gez we we're all there doing the filming. And Foxy to do this stuff for the uh, veterans charity stuff. And that was just... It was a brilliant experience. So certainly getting Foxy, who is who is an actor, getting yeah. his input, because he's been in movies. I got movies. to meet him as well. What a nice guy. Yeah, you know, movies and stuff like that. And you kind of... The input he was able to give me from when we were doing the filming, right? You filmed that bit now stop, now film the same thing again from a different angle, but closer in, and then how you can edit all that together. Like a just simple something simple, like when Brian was playing the part of the postman, filming walking up the street, his hand goes on the gate, pause, then go to the other side of the gate and filming coming in the gate, with, and then you cut it to the right time where you see his hand coming down, and it's just great fun. I think if you are yeah. a creative person, it doesn't matter what you're doing, if it's creative, you just enjoy it. So be it it taking pictures, be it editing, be it doing video, be
0: it doing audio. It's just, it's a good, creative, fun process. Yeah. You can be brilliant at Premiere Pro, but if the foot, it's like photography. You can throw it all in Photoshop, but if it, what's that phrase? Uh, Can't polish a turd? uh, No. Is it something like crap? I'll I'll do the polite version, crap in, crap out. Oh, garbage in, garbage out. Garbage in, garbage (laughs) out. Yeah. Um, It's like with the filmmaker. You have to get the film in. Right, to make yeah. the editing job easier, yeah, yeah. so that you're not trying to polish a turd, and that's something else you're learning because you're right. I, every time I watch Casey Neistat, I don't watch him for his actual content, mm. I watch him to try and deconstruct his filmmaking.
1: I, I love it, it's just little things as well, Dave. Look, like the profiles profiles within the camera don't just shoot it as it is use the actual specific uh, flat profiles so that you're capturing more detail in the highlights and the shadows so it's a really it's, a, it's almost like having a raw image but in video format so when you bring it into premiere it's really flat but there's detail in every area of it and then you do your color grading increase the blacks bring up the highlights, and it's just just incredible
0: it really is incredible it's such fun Aww. Tonight, tell you what, mate, tonight's episode is slicker than an otter's pocket because I'm going to lead straight into something else. But before we do, and while we're on the subject of kind of gear and equipment, we're just going to play a second ad of the show from our sponsors, Westcott. When we come back, I'm going to talk to you about gear. This is like it's rehearsed. I know. Before the show, we were like, what should we talk about? (laughs) I don't know. Should we record later? Now we're in full flow. So we'll come back after the break. He Shoots, He Draws is sponsored by Westcott, a worldwide leader in lighting and light modifiers. Have
1: you seen the new FJ400 strobe? This 400-watt-second strobe is an AC-DC strobe that has the fastest recycle time among any 400-watt-second strobes at just .9 seconds at full power. With its fast recycle time, color consistency, and unique features, you can see why photographers are completely overhauling their lighting systems in favor of the FJ400. Pair this strobe with the first ever universal trigger for complete control using the same trigger across Canon, Sony, Nikon, Fuji, Panasonic, and Olympus camera systems. Yes, it really is a game changer. Come see the FJ400 at the Photography Show in Birmingham, March 14-17. through 17th. For more information on the FJ400, visit FJWestcott.com backslash FJ400.
0: Okay, thanks to Westcott again for joining us as a sponsor. We've got some, we've got some great partners. Thanks Fisher. to Westcott really, anyway. I'm, well, because yeah, I, I mean, use their stuff. Yeah. Thanks, Westcott. Cause I couldn't do what I do without you. <laughs> so, on the subject of gear, something that we touched on a little while ago that I wanted to go back to was you are just transitioning from. You went from Mac equipment to Windows. Yep. you've had Windows for a little while. Yeah. And I know you're coming back to using Mac equipment. We're not going to do the old oh, Mac v Windows, Blur v Oasis, Sausage versus Bacon. <laughs> yeah. It's You know, at the end of the day, we, we always say fit for purpose. Yep. I almost want to get a T-shirt with He of jaws fit for purpose. We should actually. That's um, not a bad idea. Yeah. Because it's a phrase that I use so much now when I talk to people mm. when, they're, when they're moaning about stuff or saying, no, you shouldn't be using this. Should be. So it's fit for purpose we buy the things that suit our needs yep. we shouldn't be dictated to by snobs and knowalls or people with a you know a very kind of the android versus iphone yeah, crowd yeah. so you've switched from from windows to apple so i wanted to ask you a question about that what when you when you moved to windows what was one of the biggest reasons you you moved away from apple equipment to windows and then in that experience what now has made you go this isn't fit for purpose i need to go to you're not going back to apple in a way because the the apple gear you had then is not the apple gear available now yeah. so what was the process of going well to but well you just nailed it yourself there because the kit i had at the time wasn't
1: the kit that's available now so when i was using apple you know and i, I just you know did it did what it said on the tin do you know what i mean yeah um but i think it's only a couple of years ago i think i moved over to two and a half years it wasn't that long ago really and the reason i moved over was because the the apple systems that i had at the time i'd had long enough that they were starting to get a little bit tired and uh you know they still worked absolutely worked but they were finding it hard to work with the new software that i was getting All the latest versions of Photoshop, Premiere, blah, 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 blah. It was kind of struggling. And also all the the, the bigger files coming in your cameras now. So I needed to have a bigger, more powerful system. And for me to have that from Apple would have cost ridiculous amounts of money. And I still wouldn't have got what I needed. And what annoyed me more than anything was the fact that I couldn't upgrade RAM because... They were soldering it all in. It was fixed. You had to buy it as you wanted it at the time. You couldn't upgrade later. So those kind of things there just kind of ticked me off. And I thought, no, I need to get this particular system with this amount of uh, hard drive, this amount of RAM, these kind of graphics cards, and a Windows system just fitted the bill. So um, I took the the leap. I couldn't give a damn what brand it was, really. Mm. I went for Dell in the end because a couple of friends who had Dells and thought, well, if they have it, then I'll go for those. Just if anything goes wrong, I can call them. Ultimately,
0: it's Windows. Ultimately, it's Windows. It's, the ultimately it's Windows, it is Windows to, Ten, yeah.
1: which was a completely different experience to when I first ever started using computers with Windows, blue screen of death, and all that kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? It which, wasn't was, which everybody 95. experienced. Um, so you know, fast forward now two and a bit years later, or however long it is, I now need to go back to Apple because I've had a long enough time with Windows to see I've had some potential issues. Um, and my kind of thoughts are now that, and this is only me talking now, right? I'm not, too, I'm not, this isn't a sweeping statement for everybody who uses this particular kind of system. But for me, Windows feels like it's a system for people who are very good at diving around deep down into a system to fix a problem. Because what I have found, and bear mind, my machine isn't used for doing anything other than editing. I can use it one day, it's fine. Next day, okay, so why is it doing that? It would have a bit of a mood. You know, like, or there'd be an update. Now, sometimes when you got, like, Mac updates, yes, I know sometimes there's a bit of conflicts with software and stuff like that. But I've experienced, when it's been a Windows update, that a lot changes to the point that my, com- my computer just wouldn't turn on the one time. It just would not turn on. So I had to get onto Dell and sort it out. The one time... I had the power go off in the house. Now I've got one of these um what do you call it now? These kind of like it's almost like a generator. The
0: power backup. Thing. Yeah, kind yeah. of like
1: if ever there's a power cut or a power surge, it, it kind of jumps into action and it kind of protects you. But um even though I had that, the something it was off for that long that the power drained out, the battery drained out in the backup and that could no longer work. And then the computer went off, but it didn't shut down properly. When everything came back on again, the computer was completely... and I had a blue screen give me all these kind of messages. And eventually, had to wipe the whole system and restart again. And as just the way things work out, it was a day before I was going off to do a big event. Oh, and, you th- and it was panic state. It always yeah. happens the day before a big event. And yeah. there's just there's just little niggles that i get in. Like, you know, sometimes you'd you'd go and plug some speakers in when I was doing a presentation on my laptop... And this this sort of the sound wouldn't come out of their system. think why isn't it doing that it's not even recognizing that, so you would restart the laptop, plug the speakers in again, and then it would recognize them. It's like, but that's just irritating yeah um and now now Apple are kind of making the machines that clearly are incredibly powerful uh I think the prices are good, I think they're okay, Do you know what I mean? um so for me now, I know that I need to make that move, and I actually do quite like the Apple ecosystem. Some people don't they feel it's a bit intrusive but i actually quite like the the ecosystem i just i mean the, the other day right i was doing a, i had to do a presentation and i was doing it on my laptop and eventually i thought oh i can't be bothered with this so i dug out my old macbook pro which i dread to think how old that is turned it on it came on and i did the presentation in keynote exported it as a powerpoint shoved it onto my laptop and this is a MacBook that is
0: old. And I'm telling you, it's old. Well, mine's, mine's 2011. Yeah. I was actually just looking. So I was just looking for... Uh, I was digging out some stuff out of my big yellow storage. And uh, I found... I think I've got, have I got it here. Yeah, here we go. So I found the receipt for the fir- for my first ever Apple Mac. And I bought it... God, you keep everything. I know, it's it's shocking. (laughs) I'm not a hoarder. I just keep stuff. Um, I remember seeing an ad for some, uh, it was a rental, a Mac rental company, and they were selling off some gear. And at the time I'd been buying, I was buying Mac gear, Magazines, even though I didn't own a Mac, because I even then it was just like, oh, this is the gear I want. This is cool. It's made by one company. It's not, you know, you can buy a PC from a bloke who made it in a garage, and you can buy a PC from HP. You know, all all the but I liked that Apple just made Apple. That's it. It's one company, does it? And I dug this receipt out, and it's dated the twenty eighth of November two thousand and one, and it was a Mac G four. Apple G4 at 128 meg RAM and a 20 gig hard drive and I paid I uh, don't know if the, I think from memory I paid around 4 or 500 pound for it at the time um and I bought a a firewire external CD drive and a big massive 21 inch display that was so heavy it took two of us to lift it in the car <laughs> <laughs> it's massive I've been an Apple user for 19 years. Mm. And through different variations of the iMac and then, you know, the iPhone, I've always had an iPod. I've still got the first ever iPod that came out. Apple just worked for me. And as time's gone on, the more they've added to it, I'm kind of, I'm in the ecosystem. It works for me. Well, Wow! Well, so Samsung does something better. I don't care. All the things I've got, my you know, my my MacBook is 2011, works a treat. You know, apart from the fact I can't update the OS, I've still I've still put CC 2020 on it and it's working a charm. Wow. I'm on an iMac that's two and a half years old. The, 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 this this is not a Windows is better than again. No, this no, is this what's is what's fit for a, purpose.
1: That's why I'm yeah. going it. There are things I love about Windows. There are things I love about Apple. It just so happens that the things I love about Apple are what are suited more for what I do. That's exactly So that's it. why I'll be using them.
0: And the Mac had always been, I think, a creative tool. So whenever you, whenever you watch films or you go and see any studios or anything, their design departments always have Macs. And that was kind of one of the reasons I just thought well I'm a creative I'm a designer, the designers seem to be using a Mac yeah, yeah. and I say all the things work for me I, I know it's, it can seem expensive but I also think it lasts a long time for me and things just work If, if I'm and,
1: honest as well Dave, a lot of times with, with the software that we use a lot of times when there is a new thing coming out from say for example Adobe or whatever it's always the Mac version that's released first And I hate having to wait. (laughs) So that's why as well.
0: Somebody explained to me a little bit about, I won't go too deep into it, but one of the reasons they said why sometimes apps only come out on the iPad first, and I'm sure there's some tech geek out there that would shoot me down in a heartbeat, but one of the reasons why you get stuff on iOS on Apple devices first is because the amount, the quantity of screen sizes on Apple products is very small it's something like uh i mean you've got the you've got the iphones well most people generally have the last two or three iphones the the ipads are kind of all the same size 9.7 inch or so so the the range of apple products is is small so, therefore, when they're building and they're developing for all the different screen sizes, it's easier to work in the Apple ecosystem because there's so few screens. They can get that the makes product total out sense, there. but I never when thought when you of look that. at all the different kind of Android phones and Android operating systems. I mean, it's some there was some survey that said like there's eight different Android operating systems out there at any one time, yeah, yeah. and all these multiple sizes. It really does make sense. I've never had that experience. Yeah, developers before. said. That's why mm. we we do it on Apple first because we can get it out quick. We test it, it goes on the iTunes Store. It, you know, it, we can get it out there quick. It's used, we can get good feedback, and then we, while that's happening, and money's coming in, we can then develop the Windows. I mean, I, I remember when there was a couple of companies that that we've dealt with before that stuff came out on Apple first, and then it came out eventually on Android. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it's like you say, it's horses for courses. I I like I like the stuff. Um, I'm interested to see what you end up going for because yep. I need to. I do need to update my MacBook Pro this year because I want to do go back to doing more presenting, and I I can't use a a, a nine year old no, MacBook Pro no, for that, so. no. even though I do the job. But um, I I went on a window. I, the girls have got a Windows PC for their homework. Careful, work. don't don't go down she, the Windows a bad no, route. She, she uh, my eleven year old daughter, had to show me how to find what she was looking oh, for right. because I couldn't work. I couldn't get my head around the, the Windows. Yeah, but do
1: you know, daft as it sounds, I'm I mean, obviously not going to go on too much about this, but yeah, because I've had those bad experiences with it. Now, whenever I install something new and it says the computer needs to restart to finish the installation or do it now or do it later, mm. when I click to restart, I literally um, every and I, no joke, every single time I'm thinking, please, 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 start again. I, ju- I just do. I've I've lost. This. I guess this is the key. I've lost confidence in using right. the Windows system. I moved from Apple because it was fine, but it wasn't able to deal with what I was doing. It wasn't yeah. fast enough. It could do it, but it took too long. It wasn't breaking on me. I've lost faith in the Windows system that I currently have. So I think when once you start to lose faith in something and you can't trust it, and um, with the work that we're doing... You've got to be able to trust your stuff so you don't lose it for a start off. Yeah. Then it's kind of like okay, now I need to move.
0: Yeah. Well, it's like your camera gear. It's like your equipment that goes with your camera gear. So your computer. You, all you want to do is turn it on and use it. That's it.
1: Yeah. I couldn't care less what it was. I just need it to work, and I need it to be reliable. And uh, I've I've lost that now, so I'm moving back. So. good and that, well, that was I something I think... yeah, see i told you you should have moved no, no 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 no. you're missing the point i moved because it wasn't right for me at the time i needed to get something that was and now moving back there you go
0: yeah well something come on to finish on go on um i want to give a shout out to uh some friends who do a podcast called master of one and uh patrick posted something on instagram the other day and i've got a bit of a you and I have both got a bit of a bugbear about certain kinds of things on social media to do with advice and, and things. And one of the words that kept coming up was hustle. And people go, no, I'm I'm on the hustle. I'm doing the hustle. You've got to be hustling. And and, and he was saying that it gives a bad message because my generation... We could
1: make an episode out of this.
0: Yeah, we we will go on to it. We will talk about it because I've got some examples. But the th- the kind of byproduct of what I was listening to actually... Was deliberate in what we've spoken about today was making our own choices and not being afraid to make our own choices yeah. and not feel that we have to be told what to do by others because what they find fit for purpose isn't fit for purpose for you. So if you want to pick a, a camera brand or a car brand or a holiday destination or the name of your child. <laughs> Or oh, you know mac v windows brown sauce v red sauce on bacon sandwich <laughs> brown sauce. yeah um no <laughs> <laughs> but what what i find and what i talk to many people about now is the the fact that don't be afraid to make your own choices you know stand by the decisions you make and don't be forced and coerced into changing it because it works better for somebody else you know we all have different personalities and lifestyles and situations and finances if you want to buy a canon camera and a fuji camera and have a you know a mac computer and listen to oasis (laughs) instead of blur it's fine do it but like we said in another episode save yourself a little bit of aggro don't do post on social media every single time you buy a piece of equipment yeah yeah we haven't put it out this, there because yeah. all you're doing is you're opening yourself up for people to have an opinion and shout you know we've got our opinions we, we express our opinions on our podcast and you don't have to agree with it and we like in fact we like to hear people disagreeing with it because it gives us more content for another episode but if i want to leave a message at the end cool, of, on, the I lost you then. of what people are doing is don't be afraid to make your own choices if you want to go and learn something go and learn it if you don't wanna use Apple, don't use it. If you don't use Adobe, don't use it. Find something you love doing and do it. Try it. Become good at it. And and enjoy enjoy what you get from it. Because I see too much stuff on Instagram of just this constant influencing, trying to influence people to do I guess that's why they're called influences. You should be doing what I'm doing or you're not cool. Mm. And do you know what? no I'm, I'm i feel happy feel happy with the stuff you've got and learn to get the best out of it and enjoy the craft don't be don't don't get stressed and hung up by all the crap that goes gets thrown at you each day just get up in the morning don't listen to any inspirational people to get your day started just gonna have a cup of tea and think plan what you're gonna do and use the equipment you love
1: cool yeah there you go <laughs>
0: what an episode the epi- the episode that that came chest.
1: from from nothing yeah i it came up it what? said your internet connection is something some wrong with it because you froze so it's a good job yeah, you, you froze as well all oh, right it's a good job you went into a bit of a tirade then because i didn't have to say anything because i couldn't hear oh. you
0: i just thought you got you were just sitting there pondering what i was oh, talking I about taken a you a screen actually-
1: grab because the face you pulled it was it's like your poker, <laughs> your poker
0: face. Well, if I'm going to have a moan at anyone, it'd be bloody Virgin because their internet. All right, yeah, Bruto, don't go there. Save it. Save it yeah. for another episode. Yeah, but right. We will. We will be talking about this on another episode. We've got a couple of interviews coming up soon. I've been booking and planning, and uh, I've got a few things lined up for the next couple of weeks to get done before the photography show. So we will be back next week because we've had our week off last week. Uh, I hope you heard the Jamie Anderson interview if you love grew up with thunderbirds and and uh captain scarlet and stingray and all of that go back and listen to 102 because we had some great feedback on that and thank you to jamie for sharing it but we will be back next week same time same place same channel and uh and thanks to our sponsors and thanks to everyone for listening absolutely thank you very much adios bye bye <laughs> in the middle of the South Pacific. is a remote inhabited island called Kanuha Kahana. Named by the first person to discover the island, its meaning powerful twins. It's so small the only way to reach it is by a small boat. It has no large dock or airstrip. The island only has 256 inhabitants, sharing only eight surnames. As I said, It's one of a pair of islands, it's twin being a volcano. Hundreds of years ago the volcano erupted and a plume of lava left an arch at the top of the volcano and the islanders believed it was the eye of the volcano god. Once a year the sun would perfectly line up in the centre of the eye and if the sun was able to shine through the islanders believed that the volcano god blessed them and would protect them for another year. Each year somebody on the island would capture this moment with a painting of the festival that was held to celebrate it. One year in the early 1900s a passing boat left a camera on the island and one islander took it upon themselves to try and capture this amazing moment on film. As the years went by they tried each year and each year the smoke from the volcano blocked the sun. Over the years other boats would pass by and leave a newer film camera and each year they continued to try that was until last year. The great-grandson of the original islander who had the first camera set up his camera as usual to try and capture this magical and important moment for the Kanuha Kahana inhabitants. As the sun slowly moved across the sky ready to line up perfectly, the smoke suddenly stopped and the sun shone down over the island its warm rays reaching out upon the cheering villagers and as the young islander captured the moment perfectly the smoke returned. Everyone was joyous the young man was able to develop the image in the primitive darkroom in one of the homes on the island. There was an international photography competition held each year on a much larger neighbouring island about 80 miles away. The elders encouraged the young boy to deliver and enter the image to celebrate this historic moment and bring extra joy to the people of Kanuha Kahana. He and his father rode the 80 miles through a choppy ocean, carefully protecting the photograph, and delivered it for the International Photograph of the Year contest. The competition awards were to be made the next day. They were nervous. The boy and his father stood in the crowd the next morning as each prize was awarded one by one. Then came the final award, International Photograph of the Year. Their image was in the running, taken from the best vantage point on the island, capturing the majestic view of the volcano on these twin islands, the sun and its rays enveloping the island in a warm glow, and its inhabitants cheering and dancing, full of life and vibrant color. The chairman of the photography committee opened the envelope. He looked up and said, and the award of the photograph of the year goes to and the boy in his father's eyes welled up with tears of anticipation as the chairman said (laughs) Brian Smethick of Chelmsford UK with basketball player holding a ball in a disused underground car park